Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer, one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. And my name is Jake. I picked the movie today. The movie this week is Soylent Green from 1973, directed by Richard Fleischer and written by Stanley Greenberg based on the novel by Harry Harrison, starring Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Leigh Taylor Young, Brock Peters, Joseph Cotton, and, uh, uh, and I don't want to leave anybody out there that necessarily stands out, but those are the people I remember. But before we get deep into this movie, Mr. Jake, welcome. I appreciate you being on the podcast with us. I appreciate you asking me. Uh, I've been I've listened to this podcast for a while, and I really enjoy it. So it's a treat to come on and talk to you in person. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for guesting. Tell us about yourself, and tell us about what you do, and why. Why are you here? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but. Um, <laughs> I I have a few podcasts. Uh, the one that I should probably mention here is Love You Like Crazy because it's on the same network, podcast network, as this one, the Ear Trumpet Audio Network. And on that one, uh, me and my co-host, Carrie, talk about works of young adult fiction. We try to do kind of a a variety of genres and time periods and whatnot. So that's uh, that's what that's about. You do other stuff, too? Yeah, I um I have another podcast uh which I haven't updated in a while, but I should called Tell Me About Your Song. Uh I'm a songwriter and so I have other songwriters come on to talk about us a, a song they've written and I try to, you know, then I edit it down. Those episodes are usually around 20 minutes long or so, 20 mm-hmm. to 30 minutes. Um and then this one is now retired, but my stepsister Lindsay recently walked across the country and Every week, about more or less, she would call me and I would record it and put that out as a podcast called Lindsay Walks. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think I I, I preferred my role in sitting in my apartment and listening to her talk about it. If I, if I had to do her part of the recording, it would just be about how much my feet hurt. Yeah, well, there was a certain amount of that talk, although not too <laughs> much because she knew her mother was listening, I think, and she didn't want to get make her worried. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, Soylent Green was your pick. Why do you what What attracts you to this movie? Well, I mean, my kind of my history of it is like uh, when I was in college, I took a class which was on Slavic science fiction, and it included a bunch of movies that were not made in Russia or the Eastern Bloc or anything. Uh, and this was one of them. So that was the first time I saw this movie. I think I was aware of it because of the Saturday Night Live sketch, which is 
why everyone knows about this movie and everyone knows the plot twist. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, like, I feel like The Sixth Sense, everyone knows the plot twist, but I feel like a lot more people have seen that movie. So I don't know. So that's a weird thing about it. But I watched the movie then and I kind of enjoyed it as this sort of, you know, it was like the pre blockbuster era science fiction movie that was a hit, but also was like trying to be taking itself pretty seriously. And so then I saw it then and then I saw it again. Uh, you know, I watched it again of my own volition some years later. And then so when you wrote to me, you you sent me a big list of movies that you had been thinking about, and I suggested three movies as possibilities, and this is the one that you picked of those three. Oh, so it's our fault. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did well, kind of. We helped each other out picking a movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. It could have been, what were my other ones? I think uh, The Brother from Another Planet and Moon. We could have been talking That's about right. one of those. Yeah. No, this, I mean, that's, I've seen both of those other movies myself, and mm. I had I had not seen this one. The only thing I know is Phil Hartman, yeah, exactly, running out. <laughs> the way he does that joke is not the way it happens in the movie, which was, like, I, I feel like that was part of the joke, like, oh, it's so over the top in the movie. So when it happens in the movie, it's like, I mean, it's over the top. But in the sense that it's Charlton Heston <laughs> delivering a line, and that's what he does usually. Sure. <laughs> like the the famous uh, on the beach, you know, you blew it up. Right, right. Yeah, I actually have, I have a question. So um, the thing I remember from the first time I watched it was in the outdoor scenes with the big crowds. There was like a green filter put over everything. And I remember it being very striking when I saw it for the class when, you know, we actually rented out or not rented out the the college had a movie theater and it was like projected and everything but this time you know it was still there if i paid attention to it but it was much more subtle did you notice that when you were watching it or is that not no not much it kind of looked like a haze mm. but the haze didn't look very colorful like it kind of just looked like thick smog or something in our version yeah it just looked like los angeles to us you know which always has that miasma Right, not not uh, not particularly green, huh? Yeah, because I remember like thinking, "Ooh, this is pretty arty for what this movie is." Yeah, and I, think, um, I think it is a well-made movie, though. Yeah, I do think some of the visuals are cool. Yeah, there's there's, uh, there's there's definitely artiness going on through this. Like this is this is good. This was real good. I, I liked it a lot. Cool. Yeah, I, I thought it held up too as i said it's been a few years since i watched it and i was like oh wait no i actually legitimately enjoy this <laughs> did you like uh, it or oh yeah i did like it i had seen it once before with my mom like oh. when i was maybe a teenager and it was just on tv i think so it may have been like edited for commercials and like a long watch but one of the only things i remembered from seeing it previously was the part where his friend has decided to go home, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, for some reason, thought that was like the end of the movie. And I had forgotten that he actually has to like go and find everything afterwards. He has to solve a mystery, which but, is kind of what he's been doing. But that didn't seem like that was the mystery the whole time. But I could also see like why you would think that because the the same 
video and music plays over the end credits. That's right. That's right. That probably is why I remember it so much. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe the ultimate experience of this movie is that you're supposed to take poison just when the end credits start so that you can just sort of go out blissfully. <laughs> yeah, it's like, bye. <laughs> just forget what you saw. Everything was beautiful at the end. That part, that part kind of reminded me of, like, the carouseling in Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. I think it's that era, too, of just, like, projecting and, like... Yeah, the way they the way that they would show something artistically at that time when they made the movie. Yeah, it feels it feels a little dated now. There's a lot of costuming and sets and stuff that look old fashioned, but I think that the story the story is pretty relatable through any time period. Women don't get slapped as much in movies nowadays. I could say that about this for sure, for uh, what's outdated. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of it is, right, like, that's something I was definitely thinking about when I was watching it, is, <laughs> so, uh, just a little little side story here. When I, when I took this class, one of the other movies we watched was Blade Runner, mm-hmm. and there's the scene where uh, Deckard, like, basically sexually assaults Rachel, right, in his apartment, Mm -hmm. and this incredibly romantic music plays over it, and (laughs) all the students of the class started to boo um, and jeer the movie at that point. So, but I, I, this movie, like, because it's, you know, like, I feel like, what's his name, Thorne, a.k.a. Charlton Heston, you know, he's kind of an anti-hero, like, he's not a good guy. And society is just like fallen apart to an extent where, you know, like it's a little crazy to see in the first scene, you know, in his apartment that there's that TV that like even in even when the movie was made is kind of old fashioned, I think. But it's all kind of part of like society falling apart and, you know, just these terribly regressive things happening like. I don't even know where I'm going over this, but just the idea that, like, at this point, I mean, men are in all the positions of power. Women are essentially either complete, you know, most people are just completely worthless, and women who are not completely worthless are property. Yeah, right. (laughs) Literally furniture. And so, like, I feel like that's a, you know, that's a commentary on society where everything is starting to go, you know, or has for quite some time gone downhill. But on the other hand, I think it probably did play differently when the movie first came out than it does now. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that his, the type of hero he's playing in this movie may have been a more common leading man that you would see in movies at this time than the kind of leading man that you started to see in Hollywood movies later. What do you think, Joel? I mean, this is like Charlton Heston's bread and butter, right? Like, this, he's a total jerk-ass butthole in Planet of the Apes. And then one of my other favorite movies from around this era, uh, The Omega Man, it's it's the same thing. He's just... Yeah. He's got this burly man attitude, like, where he does have sympathy for people, but he's also just a jerk. 
I I think it's kind of funny that there are several movies that are kind of a sci-fi fantasy type movie that he stars in. I didn't really think about that until we were watching this the other day that he has been in a few movies that were really quintessential sci-fi movies for their time. Yeah, totally. I don't really think of him as a sci-fi movie star. I think of him, he's just a movie star in general, I think. He played all different kinds of parts, didn't he? Well, I mean, what do you, what do you think of him? When, when you think of Charlton Heston, what do you think of? I, I think that in this day and age, his reputation is more about his, like, politics like than who he was, is his, yeah, yeah. his acting. What, what the person was like. Which yeah. is weird. Yeah, that is weird. I do think of the NRA when I think of him. Yeah. Right. And he was, I mean, he played Moses. Um, right. And the other thing I think of from uh, the perspective of someone who took a film class back in the day <laughs> was mm-hmm. uh, uh, his role in Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know he was in it. Yeah, he plays a, a Mexican guy, <laughs> in oh. fact. Um, oh, right. But he he was represent. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was you know he was uh, hired to to act in that movie, and Orson Welles was also hired to act in it. And Charlton Heston told the studio like Orson Welles is an amazing director, and you really need to let him direct this as well. And uh, after it took a lot of convincing, but eventually they let him do it. And it, I think it's I think that might be Orson Welles's last studio movie. Mm. And then the studio took it away from him and edited it to shreds. But nonetheless, I think still, like, definitely some ups and downs, but still worth watching. Uh, Charlton, if you want to see Charlton Heston in a role that may surprise you, (laughs) uh, that that can be a good one. In brownface. Yeah, exactly. I assume. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yes. Precisely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he plays a, I mean, what uh, the... What 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 nationality would Moses have been? I don't want to say the wrong thing. Either way, not not Charlton Heston's race, I assume. You you don't know Charlton Heston's last name could have been Estevez, and he could have changed it. Oh, that's no, true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. Yes, he's a uh, he's a Mexican uh, Jewish person. That's very likely true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's talk. Uh, I, I want to stick on this Charlton Heston thing here. The, his character in this movie, as we were saying, he's he's kind of a bad man. But there's there's one thing that is uh, perplexing to me, and that is that Charles Charlie Heston. Can I call him Charlie? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, Thorn in this movie is catnip to women, and you know that guy smells real bad. <laughs> I was saying that when we were watching the movie. I was like, I feel like I can smell his B.O. from the screen. <laughs> well, do you think that's why uh, Cheryl wanted him to take a shower so badly? Maybe. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he definitely gets a lot of attention from the ladies in this movie. It's kind of, That part's kind of crazy. I I like the idea of his character and what he's doing in the story. I think that that part of the story is laid out kind of interesting. And there's a big, like, black-gray market that everyone is a part of now because the rations aren't 
sufficient and people are looking for these things that don't really exist anymore. Um, did you want to go over the plot at all or do you think? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can do a summary of it. Like, so this, this takes place in the year 2022, which is right around the corner. Uh, at this point, the God Emperor Trump has, uh, stopped all trade with other countries. So we no longer have uh, vegetation or, uh, animals for food. We only have these processed things. It's, it seems like there are different processes, but the, ma- the main food distributor seems to be a company called Soylent. And they make Soylent red, Soylent yellow, and they say it's from plant matter. And then the new Soylent green, which is the hot new thing, which they say is from delicious plankton from the sea. Which, that, that was a, a late 60s, early 70s staple. Like, if we're going to talk about stuff, we're going to talk about plankton for some reason. Because they, like, talk about it in uh, Logan's Run, too. I don't, I don't understand that. Maybe that, maybe that was around the time people just really started looking at what health benefits could come from the ocean. I don't know. Uh, yeah. That whole plankton shake. And seaweed and. Revolution that was going on. Mm. I don't know. Delicious. But a man, a very, very rich man, is murdered, and all evidence shows that it was not a robbery, and it was not a random act of violence, that this man submitted to his murder with almost little resistance. And so Thorne, being a detective, puts on his ascot, and yep. goes around town poking his nose into other people's business. Until somebody tries to pay off the chief, and he's like, no, I'm not going to give up on this. That was a little more, uh... Which, by the way, I thought the ascot was supposed to be a decorative piece of menswear, like a pocket square or something. I mean, it functions as well, but he's using it like a bandana or a sweatband. And it's not a very, not a very clean ascot he's got around his neck. I'm pretty sure if he took it off, his head would just fall off like in that story from uh, right. yeah, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So Now you're making me think of that scene where they were in the shower together and you just see him in silhouette laughing their asses off. <laughs> Hot water. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, that's the, the general sum. It, it's a terrible, it's a terrible future. Right. The uh, population of New York is 40 million people. Which in real life right now it's around eight and a half million. Oh. I looked that up on Wikipedia. Nothing but the best. And um <laughs> Right. So there's there's a population explosion that's causing problems, and then there's also global warming, uh, which is I forgot about the greenhouse effect, yeah. Yeah. Um and so and just a general lack of resources. So like um most people, you know, there's in the apartment building that Charlton Heston lives in, there's, you know, he and his partner, Saul, uh, who played by Edward G. Robinson, um, they live in an apartment, which is like, you know, relatively nice for what they've got. But there's also just people camping out in the stairwells all over the place. You want to hear something terrible? I'm pretty sure this is the first Edward G. Robinson movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I was thinking that might be the first one I've seen, too. Yeah. 
He was good. I thought he was good. I liked him. Oh, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And uh, I didn't recognize him because I'm used to seeing the, like, uh, pictures of him when he was younger, you know, Yankee Doodle Dandy era. Yeah. So I didn't know it was him. And it's like, wait, isn't isn't Edward G. Robinson? Me? Oh, he was Sal the whole time. Would have got away with it, too. If it wasn't for uh, his imminent death. <laughs> I really like his character in the movie. His, I did, uh, too. Kind of, I, I don't know what he's, he's beret and remembering the good times. He's eating that piece of lettuce. It's like the best thing he's ever eaten. That scene, I thought that scene was maybe the best in the movie, like where they're having, you know, dinner with all the food that um, Charlton Heston stole from the rich guy's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh from the pillowcase. Mm. <laughs> right. Wait, they so there's somebody dead. I need to go grab their food. <laughs> Yeah, like I kind of feel so not to I don't know if this is a digression or what, but like you were talking about how women are, you know, can't get enough of Charlton Heston. And I felt like part of it was it seems like the police in this system, like they're not respected as such, but they do have a lot of power in the sense that they can go in and basically do what they want because there isn't really anyone paying attention. And if anyone tries to stop them, they will go, you know, it's said that if someone hits a policeman, uh, they go to jail for life. So I think that there's like a sense of this is someone who can possibly help me or hurt me. And so I want him to help rather than hurt. Like that was sort of my, how I thought about that. I don't know if that's actually the intent, but. No, it makes sense to me. Uh huh. I think um, people did have a sense of his power, um, especially the women in the room when when that guy comes in and starts beating all of them. And uh, oh yeah, Charlton Heston was in the other room at that point. Just went into another room with the girl, and both of them just started undressing automatically. I just no, they, they no, knew what it was. I guess no conversation, no yeah. nothing. Yep. Yeah. No kiss. <laughs> yep, no romance. We're just having a casual conversation. Like, I came to visit you. Okay, get naked. He doesn't say anything. They just go in the other room. Yeah. He says, get into bed. And then, like, he proceeds to interrogate her for the investigation. Right. And uh, all the while, she's, like, arranging the be- bed and taking off her clothes. And Yeah. And, and then... Uh- and then this guy bursts in and starts beating up all of her friends. And luckily, Charlton Heston is there to save the day. He's there to intimidate, <laughs> intimidate this man. He's not going to hurt this guy. He's going to. Yeah. He's just going to be like, hey, you would hate to press charges or somebody else press charges. Or blah, blah, blah. And if I saw you hit a woman, I'd just shake my finger at you. Don't do that, I guess. <sighs> <laughs> what a world. Didn't, didn't yeah. he, he was smacking around somebody else, right? He was smacking around the other guy's girlfriend, furniture slash object. Talking yeah. About, talking about the, the black lady that was the, yeah. that had the jar of strawberry jam? Martha. Yeah. So that guy was the one that was the bodyguard? Right. Initially, for the rich guy who's killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that rich guy is Joseph Cotton, which is cool. 
I have seen other movies with Joseph Cotton in. <laughs> yeah. So I think initially Charlton Heston's just like, I don't trust this guy. Like right off the bat. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy yet. Maybe he's innocent. Maybe he's guilty. And then sure enough, he kind of does have a, a role that he's played in the whole thing. It's a conspiracy. This whole thing is just one big, I mean, they're blinding all of us to the truth in this society about what's really happening. You know what I thought was interesting? The books, the Soylent Green, like, books that the other guy starts going through for him. The, like the oceanography manifests or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you you never really get a good gander at those on the inside. Oh, but I did I did really like how when people saw the book, they, they just, like, couldn't help but, like, run Feel their it. finger <laughs> along the cover. It's like... This is kind of a sense movie. Like... <laughs> you feel like you can like touch the lettuce or like you just <laughs> smell the- smell the 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 bo. <laughs> you can feel like the heat coming off of people. Right. Yeah. It's making me the the thing that was making me most uncomfortable in this movie was him having to track over people on the stairs, right? Over and over again. And there's that one point where he's following that guy and he. He, I guess he accidentally steps on somebody. He's like, hey, buddy, watch it. Like, you're the asshole sitting on the stairs, man. <laughs> yeah, and that was a little... I mean, there, they were sleeping on outdoors stairs, and I was like, well, how's that going to help you avoid curfew? I don't know. Yeah. That's true. I kind of was imagining that somebody sublet them the stairs to sleep mm. on. It could be. Time yeah, to time. it could be. There was a guy sitting at the top of the stairs with a giant gun in uh, their apartment building. Oh, yeah. Inside that one building? Yeah. yeah. Well, inside of Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson's building. And one, he gets home and he's like crawling around everyone. And there is definitely a guy with a gun at the top. Um, I, oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, do you remember how the movie op- begins? Because I did not. The the montage of, like, the history of America? Yes. Yeah. Because, like, I had forgotten completely about that, and so when I started watching this, I was like, did I, is this the right movie? Or, like, <laughs> I kind of wondered the same thing. <laughs> I was like, am I watching an episode of Cheers or something? Because it, it had the kind of piano music, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> yeah, some, some wild freeform jazz getting going on there eventually. Yep. Yeah, it kicks up when when it start industry starts taking place. A million cars, a million planes, a million buildings. Yeah, it was inevitable that the world would be destroyed by our hubris, our manufacturing. And, yeah, uh, and that's where we all end up. You know. Yes. Um, I don't, I guess I brought that up and didn't have anything to say about it. Oh, no, no. it was an interesting moment. We were all, we didn't have the sound actually initially when we were watching it and we were like, is this part supposed to be silent? And then we had to like restart Ah. it. But, um, we were having kind of a what the heck is going on moment when that first started for us too. (laughs) Yeah. This, I mean, that's that opening part is one of the many things that make this kind of a, a you like something that isn't that uncommon in these like sci-fi movies from this era. 
but it is something that that makes them all special you know like these like it montage moment to explain what's going on not not a voiceover going like we destroyed the planet and so we must rely on companies to feed you know something like that it's a show not tell moment right Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I to go back to that like scene where they're they're enjoying that food, which oh I, I just remember another part that really upset me was the fact that he stole that beef because that girl was very excited to finally have real beef. Yes, I mean I, I know she's rich, but well, she got it for her boyfriend who was killed. Oh okay, yeah, didn't care then. <laughs> <sighs> Stolen beef <laughs> tastes the sweetest. <laughs> boyfriend slash owner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dinner the dinner scene plays out like we see every course. You know, they have like a salad, and then they have kind of a, a stew, and then they eat the the uh, apples for dessert. And yeah, we've seen them sitting back enjoying that thing, and it's it plays out like in a what like a five minute scene. It isn't just yeah. I mean, it is a montage, but you know, of longer scenes in that sense. Yeah, but so, like but, like yeah, like one of the things I like about it is it's clear that uh thorn has never eaten anything like this before and he is very clearly following saul's lead so he's like yeah so like he's like how do you eat lettuce how do you eat an apple you know yeah <laughs> he ate that whole the whole core yeah yeah and they're like so delighted and then oh and the the strawberry thing like this is something i kind of missed the <laughs> until i saw it the fourth time. So I'm curious whether you were smarter than me, but do you know, understand why he gave him the spoon other than just as like a treat? No. Cause they were out of silverware. No, it's cause he doesn't know what strawberries taste like. So he has no idea what's on this spoon. Oh, oh right. He identified it for my ah, interesting. We did notice that he kept a jam covered spoon <laughs> in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That didn't seem super sanitary. I admit. My sweaty, sweaty, lint-filled pocket. <laughs> he washed off his face in the sink, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I don't know. That gigantic bar of soap. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it builds up, you know, because there's the scene, when the, the scene where Saul goes, you know, goes home, which, uh, if it's not clear to listeners who haven't seen the movie, is basically he goes to a suicide center where they put him in a room, they uh, feed him, they give him a poison drink, and then they he just sort of lies and watches this kind of the worst IMAX movie ever. Um, <laughs> I like the just, panorama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like images of nature and deer, like things that are no longer, you're no longer able to see in this world. Yeah. Um, and plays, he, he's asked what his favorite color is, and he says orange, so there's like an orange, you know, there's an orange light and he's asked what kind of music he likes and he requests classical music and uh soft classical music yes and they said i'm sure you'll like what you know i'm sure this will be fine and uh yeah and he just kind of goes out listening to that and yeah, that's that's how i want to go so yeah it's kind of like the ceremony is like in place of the funeral after someone dies it's like they're trying to it's ritual suicide but they basically are like okay we're going to send you off nicely mm. by playing these beautiful images and music for you while you die of being poisoned right <laughs> right and there are th- are things so that your family can be there um because mm-hmm. they say oh it's too bad you showed up too late 
Yeah. Then he beats the guy up and yeah. uh, makes, makes him, him open, open the, the door window. again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gets a preview of what he could be doing, but no, he has to keep on living. Something that I noticed with this part is that in this dystopian future, they're kind of saying, we don't have anything that's great. So everyone just has to live in a miserable setting in, you know, without really being able to imagine anything else. And then when it's time for him to die, they play this movie for him, this film of images they have of like what used to be. And Charlton Heston is like crying practically. Like, I've never seen anything so beautiful. How could I know that the world used to be this beautiful? And I think that, like, if we were talking about the direction our world is going in towards a dystopian future, (laughs) if we were to have things fall apart, I feel like one of the things that, and I've seen it in other movies, other sci-fi movies, is that they created a fantasy world for people to be complacent in instead of having this, like, hyper-real reality without any images to, like, dream about or anything. Because I think I think sometimes in these, like, futuristic movies, and I just, I kind of notice that in our world anyway, that things are going into, like, total, like, VR helmets and stuff and other <laughs> other things. Like, just, you know, constant stimulation from different images and stuff. But I thought... Oh, can you imagine, like, if you if you were living in this world for that long without any idea of what used to exist before, without anything pretty to look at? Like, that seems brutal to me. It's mm-hmm. the Wally future without the space, uh, <laughs> the spacecraft. The garbage only. Yeah, just the garbage. Or, I mean, it's Ready Player One without the Oasis, I guess. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, we need that. Bring it back to mm. one of the year's most forgettable movies. Oh, that's what you <laughs> thought of it. <laughs> I was gonna say it's 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 uh, it's got a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> that it does. It doesn't lack for stuff. So let's talk about some scenes here. Let's let's talk about the marketplace scene that uh, leads to one of the the riots that everybody's been worrying about. Tuesday is Soylent Green Day. Yes, and the police you, you hear everybody like getting ready for this as the week is going on. It's like, oh man, it's going to be another bad one on Tuesday. You know, you're going to be on riot duty or whatever. And this scene is great. It's it's great and and ridiculously kind of stu- kind of stupid all at the same time. <laughs> yes, like what are you talking? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, everyone burst out that. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, the uh, yeah, the backhoes are definitely an interesting method of crowd control. Uh, <laughs> Scoop them up. <laughs> They like. Do you think that was discussed in meetings, like when they were going to make the movie? And they're like, "No, no, I'm sure it'll look great. Let's do it." <laughs> I wonder if they, they were like, "Is it going to be shock? This is going to be just absolutely shocking." Can you believe they're doing this to people? Right, they're just treating them like trash. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's kind of. Like- 
it's I wonder if it was written that way, but if it was, like it might have sounded more tragic and more crazy, like in writing, but <laughs> seeing it just seemed so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, if it was, like, a true dystopian, like, we don't care about human life future, they would have just started, like, gunning people down, I feel like. And this, they were trying to maintain order by forcing people out of, you know, like like you said, sco- like we said, scooping them up, or it'd be the equivalent of a, a, a bouncer, like, pushing people out of a bar or something like that. And that doesn't feel as, like, as dark as it could be. Like, open firing into a crowd. So, I don't know if that means that, like, Soylent doesn't have as much control as they are getting or are going to get when it comes to, like, who's in their pocket and stuff like that. Because we, we definitely see they have some power. You know, they're they're paying off some people. Yeah, I mean, a, a whole bunch of nice, ripe, dead bodies. That would work out to their favor, I assume. Especially since the thing well, that causes this riot is the shortage. Right. But that's what Charlton Heston says at the end, right? He says, they're going to start breeding us for food. Like cattle. Or, yeah. yeah, like yeah. cattle. Okay. I was like, Charlton Heston is within this movie is writing his own science fiction novel about the, the dystopic future. <laughs> yeah, that's a little. I mean, that's jumping. They, they can barely feed people now. Are they going to keep some special, special fattened up uh, cattle people? I, uh, I don't think they really care about the quality of it for what they're producing there. They're just taking on any dead body they can get. I feel more like that. Like they were like herding cattle when they were scooping everybody up. Oh, you think all those people got got uh, tossed in the mixer? No, I oh, think just they were general. just being corralled. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So the other two funny parts about that is uh, this scene happens to be where somebody from the Soylent Agency is trying to kill Charlton Heston. And this guy's just real bad at his job. Like, real bad. <laughs> I forgot about that. Hey, shoots that lady in the head. Yeah. Which is, should be instant death, but she's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. And then another, another person gets in front and shoots that guy in the back. <laughs> it is, I feel like, if you're going to assassinate someone, maybe don't do it when they're in the middle of a crowd. Particularly when they're wearing headgear, you know? Yeah, yeah. So many casualties. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe the the regular assassination guy was had the day off or something. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Like the uh, the guy who did the assassination early on, maybe it was even the same person. I'm not sure. Seemed oh, like talk, oh, talking about that hilarious scene with the priest because that also made me laugh very hard. No, that was great too. No, I was <laughs> thinking about the guy who actually kills um, Simonson. Oh, with a meat hook thing. Yeah, yeah. Gilbert, who I have uh, in my notes here as the world's nicest hitman. Yeah, I really like that scene. He's like, yeah. is this okay that I'm going to kill you? Do you mind? The guy's like, nah, do it. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't even really ask. He he just kind of, he kind of explains himself and like relays the message. And the guy's like, yeah, no, they're right. I'm just going to ruin everything. So let it happen. Mm. He feels guilty at that point. He's like, yeah. God have mercy on my soul. Go yeah. ahead and kill me. And he, yeah, it. he doesn't want to live with the knowledge that he has, which is the same thing that I have just to Sal, right? Yeah. The See, the the scene I, the, that crowd scene earlier also has my favorite character, or the uh, which is the guy who uh, just yells out, "Today is Tuesday." 
Like that's this. <laughs> well, Tuesday's a very important day, Jacob. Yes. No, I, I understand that. And uh, that assassin, he also has a very hilarious death when he gets smooshed. Yep. He gets smooshed real good. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's the, okay. So the assassination, that guy getting smooshed, and yeah, him accidentally shooting people. Yeah, those those were the funny parts of that. Scooped up people. But that that priest, that priest who gets assassinated, like he doesn't want to be alive anymore. Anyways, he's he's in the same situation as Sal. And the, right. The, the, yeah, he knows guy. the truth. But I love, I love how that guy's just like, forgive me, Father, if I have sinned. It's been blah, blah, blah since my last... Yep. I mean, I guess if you're going to commit a sin like that, you're in the right place to immediately get absolution. Yeah, he should have waited a little bit longer. <laughs> Can I get a new priest in here to absolve me? I just shot this one. He gets, back, he gets into the back of the line. <laughs> I imagine there, yeah, there's probably not like a big line to replace that priest in the in that particular uh, confessional. So yeah. like, why don't you? Why don't you take the next few? They got a they got a new guy for the hospital later. Is that the church? Wait, one was the church and one was the hospital with the nuns. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I didn't know if the if the hospital was the church. Like they were both the same place. Mm. I, I thought that. Yeah, I thought they might be the same place too. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a woman in this world, you have three choices. Mm. You can be a nun. Yeah. You can be a very, very unhappy poor person who probably has a kid that's crying on the stairs. Or attached to you after you died. Uh-huh. Or you can be the furniture. Yeah. Which is basically prostitution and you're treated like... um a chair. <gasps> a chair! That reminded me of that Gabrielle Bell story, the one about how she turns herself into a chair. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody had sex with that chair in that story. <laughs> That's true. And nobody, listeners, don't have sex with your furniture, okay? It's it's unhealthy. Yeah. Unless your furniture is specifically designed for that. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> There's a comic book I like where a girl is hypothesizing like what it would be like if she just turned herself into a piece of furniture and they made a little short for it in the movie yeah. Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo with an exclamation mark. Yeah. Oh. Mich Michelle Gondry directed. Yeah. Short Anyway, that reminded me like cuz I was like furniture and then I'm like, "Oh yeah." Oh, these friend, this these furniture are having a good time. Like during that party scene, at least. I, I feel like that's not something they got to do on the regular, though. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the apartment. I thought maybe this was like their uh, their brothel or whatever at first, but I guess they just either occupy someone's house or have to look for work. I, I don't know how that works. Well, he asked her if she was what if she was personal or. There was some question of whether, like, she was specifically associated with Simonson or with the apartment. She said the apartment, and then... Yeah. She came with the apartment, unless right. the new owner didn't want her. Yeah. 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 At a certain point, she just uh, leaves movie land when the, the new tenant moves in. Well, they have one final phone call, right? Yeah. But I I kind of... I don't know. I feel like... 
I didn't realize he was going to be the martyr in this story <laughs> of trying to get the message out to the world. He's still alive? Do you think he lived? I don't know. Right. I was wondering how this actually, what happens after that point, because it didn't seem like anyone cared. No, he sounded crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and he said he had proof, but I didn't really understand what the proof was. Yeah, he didn't have like a nice little camera or anything that he took pictures with. His, the proof was his eyeballs. He just had to remove them from his head and plug them into a machine. Yeah. Something like that. He kills a bunch of people in that factory, which I thought was funny. I yeah well there were two things in that factory scene one is like when he so you know like they fo he follows Saul's body essentially to this factory where he discovers that people are turned into soylent green and then like he's spotted and he kind of scrambles over the conveyor belt with all the soylent green on it and I'm like dude that's your friend um, <laughs> Like, have some respect. Uh, and then he's running around and he comes to this ladder that this guy is climbing up and he just straight out murders the dude. Like, he has no, this guy may or may not have any idea what's going on. Well, I guess he probably knows that Soylent Green, Green is people. But Yeah, we were talking about that. I mean, these people that, there's a ton of people that work in the factory. They must know what's going on. And they must be paid. It's a pretty big cover-up. Yeah. If there are that many people involved that continue to live and aren't replaced by new workers constantly. Well, maybe they live, because it seems like it's pretty far out in the sticks. So maybe they live there. Yeah, I was going to say, or they'd have to have, like, their own, like, town or something. Yeah. And they they pay them in as much soylent green as they can eat, and once they get a little too wise to the situation, they become soylent green. I was trying to remember like how many other sci-fi movies I've seen where it straight up comes down to like you're eating other people. Well, uh, Back to the Future. Uh, no, I don't. I don't De really know. Delicatessen. Delicatessen. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Cloud Atlas. That's true, yeah, yeah. I really don't... Uh, it, it seems like it's a common trope. Like, yeah. oh no, but I don't really... Can't really think of it off the top of my head. I feel like mostly... Well, I don't know. I guess I haven't seen as many of these movies as you guys have. Eh, we haven't seen that many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could see some more. We could use some more. <laughs> yeah. In fact, let's stop recording and just watch some of these movies here. <laughs> I remember there was a uh, Soylent Green reference in Duckman. Do you remember what? The, do you know that? I do you know that it was like this cartoon series. You're talking about my niece Mia, who has been on the show. This is her favorite cartoon, Duckman. Yeah, I've seen a couple of uh, episodes of that disgusting cartoon. Yes, tell tell me. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. Uh, appropriately, there's a disgusting Soylent Green reference where um, Duckman is looking for, like, wants to put. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember what any of the characters are, but I guess his father or somebody, he's looking to put in a rest home. Yeah. So they go around to check one, check different ones out, and one of them is called Soylent Acres. Mm. And uh, so they're Grinding like... Grinding them up. That's, yeah, that's kind of the implication. And so, like, he's, he's eating a meal there. He's like, wow, this food here is really great. And all the other <laughs> ones are kind of, like, looking at him, and he's like, what? It's not like it's anyone we know. There it is. Yeah. Duck Man. Sounds about right. I wonder if the poison that they give them when they decide to do this, if it, like, prevents the second kill of, like, the person who eats the soil and green. 
I mean, it it could just be like a a heavy amount of drug, so heavy that it puts them into the the kind of coma where you're not going to be able to breathe for yourself. It's not necessarily poison, right? But or maybe it breaks down when you you know in under high temperatures or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's hard to talk about this. You know that? (laughs) Yeah, it is. In a way, it's kind of completely ridiculous, and in another way, it's kind of like like 1984 or something. Like sure. it feels like it's somewhere in the middle between like something that's amazing, like literary work to like contemplate and think about the ramifications in your own life, what it could mean for you, and then the other side is kind of just like silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me ask you this question. So this this is based on a Terry Harrison book named Make Room, Make Room that was written in 1966 and set in the futuristic year of 1999. Do you know what uh, Soylent was made of in that book? No. Soy. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> that was the tragic ending? <laughs> no, no. The The book is very different from the movie, apparently. I haven't Soylent read the book. is made out of soy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this book, I, like, there are a bunch of, I've read some other books that are, that I think are kind of similar, where it's like, it's kind of a sprawling book that doesn't cover a particular character all the time. It's like, you know, four or five different characters, and it kind of switches between them, I think. I haven't read it, as I said, but I did read the Wikipedia article, so there you go. Yeah, I, d- I don't know much about the book, but that's a surprise. <laughs> I felt like Soy Soylent was kind of part of the government. It seemed like there were payoffs happening, but it also kind of seemed like Soylent had the monopoly and that like everyone was relying on them. Yeah, too. most of most people's foods were coming from them. Yeah. Yeah, so they were kind of in control. Red, yellow, or green. Mm-mm. And they look like little bis like little crackers. Yeah. I wonder if that's what he was eating. Remember that scene earlier in the movie where Charlton Heston is like eating a biscuit with like, he's putting some sort of glop on it. Yeah. I don't know if it was the expired margarine or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think that was, that was probably Soylent Yellow or something. I don't think it was red. I feel like I would have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. I got Soylent buns, man. Soylent, a bunch of different Soylent projects, you don't, or products. You don't just have to settle for these biscuits. No. Get whatever you want. Right. I remembered another one uh, where cannibalism is uh, part of it. Uh, The movie Antiviral, which was directed and written by David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. Mm. Because in that, the the concept is like that celebrities, people become so obsessed with celebrities that they want to have like the disease that they have in some cases. And so this, this guy in the movie acts as a courier trans transporting a disease from whoever has the DNA replicated version to the customer. And one of the other story points is that they make DNA replicated meat of the celebrity. So you could literally cannibalize like a cloned part of a celebrity if you want. That's weird. Yeah, I don't, you know, but I mean, it's taking taking everything to its logical conclusion. We love celebrities, <laughs> right? Therefore. Kardashian rump roast. 
I'm sorry. Did I, I gross want, everybody I out? Is everybody sick? Celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Some poor taste. Like that. Yes. Uh, the like. Okay, we're in a dire situation, guys. Like in the world. Yes. Food is almost non-existent. Fresh food is definitely non-existent unless you are among the super rich. Yes. You, you Even then, have, it's like not very good. Exactly. You have a, a monthly stipend of, of food that barely keeps the family able to live. They come up with the say, and overpopulation is definitely a problem on the planet. They come up with a, the way to get past this, and it is revealed that they're using humans as a substitute food source. Now, in in this future, it isn't. It isn't like you're eating human meat. It is like processed down to the point where it is no longer recognizable as a human being anymore. I think I know where you're going with this, and I don't like How it. How do you guys feel about that? <laughs> Jake? I mean, this, me is, this is something... <laughs> this, is, this is something I was thinking about, too, because like the movie definitely... You know, like there's a huge buildup to the revelation, although you probably, you know, even if you haven't watched Saturday Night Live, you you may well have figured it out by the time yeah. we get there. But there's like, you know, there's a really extended, you know, from the point where Saul figures it out to the point where it's revealed, like there's a pretty long, you know, that's a long sequence mm-hmm. of Definitely. following, you know. By the way, the security in that place is really pretty terrible. But, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, following Charles and Heston as he climbs into the garbage truck and and so on and so forth. Uh, at the, at the, all the same, like I feel like when you see the the little crackers going down the conveyor belt, like it is like a little bit like you are kind of taken aback. But is that enough to like? Do I buy that? People would be like, oh, you know, I guess that's the next step. And I guess that you got to do what you got to do. You know, I don't know that it would be as shocking as the movie wants us to think it would be. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Sarah, I know you're uncomfortable. <laughs> what are you thinking? I don't want to eat anybody. <laughs> I, I understand that. I mean, I don't want to be a cannibal. Um no, I understand what you're saying. In dire circumstances... I don't know what I'm getting you for your birthday now. Um, uh. <laughs> I guess I think people might be upset at the disguise of it, at the fact that it was a truth that was suppressed from them. That's true. But it almost seems like if they had told them about it, like, hey, there's no more food, and you're going to die, or... We could start giving you these things that are like part recycled human, part something else. Yeah. That some of them probably would have gone for it, and then they would have told their friends and been like, "The crackers aren't that bad. <laughs> they just taste like crackers. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't taste like grandma. It tastes like a cracker." <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm thinking, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. I hope the listener isn't hanging up on me right now. Hang up on. Me. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you just want to eat everybody. I mean, if they fall on the ground, I'm thinking, how much longer till you're, you know, in my belly? No. Uh, I was thinking, like, in the context of, like, how we eat meat now. Like, it's, I don't want to freak anyone out, but when you're eating meat, you're eating something that was alive. 
something that had emotions, something that had, uh, let's, let's say something as abstract as a soul, you know, and that's, it's kind of terrible when you think about it, but we get by it because these things don't look like the things that we associate with the living creature anymore. It's kind of the same thing, except for cannibalism has a huge taboo, and it's not its not healthy. It's like you can't live off of eating humans by themselves. Like, that's, I believe, that's, that's just something I know from Wikipedia articles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you <laughs> wow. <study this laughs> also, I keep a guy in the basement, and he's not doing so good. He's not doing so good. Okay, I get it. You know, meat is, some people say meat is murder. Yeah. <laughs> and I am an animal lover, and I hate that I like meat. I've tried to be vegetarian several times, and it didn't stick. But I imagine someday I might be a vegetarian again. But I don't think that's the same thing as saying, like, you're going to eat the remains of people you knew that died. Yeah, I mean, how do you know there's somebody you know? Well, what if it was, like, small batch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Artisanal. Fully, fully, fully organic. We all, we take care of it right here. Here. Locally, locally bought. Don't get your meat from the, from the grocery store. You know? Come over here. Get your, your soylent peat. See, we even name it after the people. <laughs> Speaking of Pete, you know, he's got some good muscles. I'm just saying. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. I didn't know this about you. You're oh, just, a, just a, an inch away from eating <laughs> other human beings. If they look like a, a tasty cracker and I was starving to death, I, I would probably eat it. I'm just saying. Uh, luckily, I'm not starving to death. And J Jake, did you hang up? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he ran off. He ran off screaming. I was just thinking uh, there was a a local. I think I think it was a bakery or something. I forget what it was exactly. I don't think it's been in business for a while. But I remember that uh, one of the slogans they tried was "the secret ingredient is people." And <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant. But <laughs> nope, I don't think so either. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Twilight Zone. To serve man. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of Twilight Zone <laughs> yeah. things. Like there were Twilight Zone-ish <laughs> things that happened in this movie. Like, yeah. even their apartment kind of reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode. Well, that, that's the, the feeling I got about this movie, having not actually watched it before and only knowing it as a pop culture reference. Like, I thought it was just an extended Twilight Zone episode, but I, I do feel like it is a... It's a pretty well, da damn well done, like art, arty, like sci-fi movie. It's it's very good. It holds up really well, and like I, I hope people want to watch it, and not just because because like I I got to be honest, like other than this podcast, I didn't really have any desire to watch it because I thought it was going to be ridiculous. I thought Phil Hartman was going to be like, see, <laughs> I, of course he's dead, so. Would you eat yeah. Phil Hartman? Okay, no, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like we'd have to fight you for him. <laughs> you know what Joel was tripping out about was that his the cop that he worked with, I recognized his face, and I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. And then we looked it up, 
And it turns out that on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he plays Captain Sisko's father. Oh. Hey, remember that picture I accidentally sent you, Jacob? That <laughs> a drawing of, like, aliens? Yeah. Yeah, that was from, that was from Deep Space Nine. We're, we're in a, a Deep Space Nine, like, uh, <laughs> rotation of references. Yeah. So, it's a <laughs> it was a clue. <laughs> I should have followed the clue myself. I would have known. I did. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I understand. I, I did. I understood that it was Deep Space Nine, but I didn't understand why you were sending it to me. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> Just like, Join us, Jake. Join I, us on Deep like, Space Nine. It's like, is this some kind of commentary on the movie that I'm not understanding? <laughs> No, just an accident. Yeah. <laughs> he had to decrypt to the code that Cisco's father is actually the guy who worked with Charlton Eston. Yeah. Yeah. What was it a picture of? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> that you sent him. Oh, it was that one that's uh, uh, OMG Profits, OMG Profits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, they had a computer space arcade game. Oh, yeah. Rich Guy's house. And if I'm not mistaken, that is, I think Pong was the first one, but I think Computer Space was the second game uh, ever made commercially, like in arcades. Oh. Uh, Nolan Bushnell was like, you know, the the guys that, I think at MIT created it on a bunch of punch cards, and the the original version was... Super realistic, like people from other teams would come and work on the game, like on their time off between classes, and they like put in actual constellations and stars, and then like actual gravity effects, like for planets that you got near on the thing. But the the arcade version was like much more dumbed down, and he made that weird gelatinous looking <laughs> arcade cabinet for it. I don't think it it had much popularity outside of uh, its initial run, though. That sure seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, it seemed a little great. performative. Maybe uh, she just wanted Simonson to think that she was really enjoying it. Yeah, I thought that was cool, though. To see, yeah. That. Oh yeah, oh, man. That, so we talked about a couple of the deaths here. All those deaths were really brutal. Like I felt like. Uh, when that, that rich guy in the beginning gets his head clawed in, basically, with that, uh, they, they call it a meat hook, but it, it's like a crowbar. Yeah. It, it's not like a one and done thing, you know? The guy hits him in the head and he's, he's crawling around in pain. And I was like, this is not, this is gruesome. I don't like that at all. And, uh, the guy gets smushed. Charles Heston gets shot in the leg at one point. Mm hmm. Yeah, just just some gruesome deaths going on. The priest gets shot in the head. Yeah. yeah. It did seem pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, and the final, like, showdown in the church. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah, once again, a whole bunch of body more, shields. More uh, unnecessary death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't there a part? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of, uh, we, we also watched Eastern Promises, and now I'm mixing it up. Because... <laughs> I was thinking you're confusing was, Eastern promises. With well, I was, I was thinking there was a part where Charlton Histon like pushed some. I was like, he's just going to push that person in front of him to get in the way of a gun or, or in, in the way of a knife. <laughs> I was a like, part. no, no, wait. There's there's a part where uh, 
where what's his name pushes pushes one of the other guys in the sauna in front of him. Like, yeah, wait, wait Charlton Heston goes to the bath. <laughs> yeah, we, we see a lot of Charlton Heston doing things. Let me tell you. Oh my gosh! One one of my notes is beef weeping because <laughs> because Saul is crying when he sees the meat. Yes, he's so he's so touched, or he's so like I can't believe this is a real thing. What I'm looking at. But also, he was kind of like, I can't believe that I'm this excited about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. A crappy piece of beef. And uh, me and Sarah were talking about how they're, they're going to have intestinal problems after that big meal. They're just, <laughs> that's their true. bodies are not conditioned to it. <laughs> that's, that's why Charlton Heston has to take so many showers afterwards. <laughs> Guess we're going to do it now. We already talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Scoops, smush, lots of violence against women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, basically, my last note is uh, sign me up for the panoramic death room. Yeah, okay. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> Thank you. Joel's last wishes. Yeah, I I really liked the panoramic room. It reminded me of this. I was looking for what it was called, but it was something at Disneyland that you used to be able to go into. It was like a full room that you could like sit sit down in the middle of and the video installation would play all around you and you would be like seeing the world from like a hot air balloon or something. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminded me of that, but that was kind of a cool immersive video experience for the time. Actually, let me ask you this. This is so for some reason, like the first time I saw this movie, I thought that Thorne was illiterate, like, which is, but then obviously that's not true because he takes notes and then also reads <laughs> towards the end. Yeah. Um, but was that something that, this is me again, just trying to gauge how, how dumb I am. Like, is that something that you also <laughs> thought or that's just me? I didn't assume he was illiterate. I didn't know what Saul's job was, though. Like, I couldn't really tell what he was doing because like he was basically working for thorn right yeah he was doing like favors or research or something yeah, yeah I, I, I feel oh go ahead oh yeah i felt like he was kind of a research librarian or or something i did feel like he knew more than thorn's character did but i i also felt kind of like yeah i don't know i felt like he could read but that that the other guy was better at deciphering the meanings behind things. Maybe his job was to kind of do more research and he had more technical knowledge, so he could like something. translate those gigantic volumes of oceanography, whatever. I like the idea of like cherishing things. I don't like the idea of obviously living in this horrible future, but like no, now you don't. But I think I think it is kind of cool that they have this like. It's almost like a curiosity shop or something. This like variety of like bygone things that they treasure in their house. And I think that that's kind of special for them, even though it's, it's like, it's like when you put emphasis on something just because it means something to you doesn't necessarily mean it means anything to anybody else. But yeah, all these things have this like endowed importance put upon them <laughs> yeah yeah i felt like yeah i agree i think that that came across in this movie really well 
just like I mean, I keep returning to that meal, but like one of my favorite one of the things that I loved about that like is, is like Saul has he has a set of silverware and then he has a little plastic fork and he gives Thorn yeah. the silverware. <laughs> Mm. And it's that like plastic fork. He just like kind of reverently opens the thing, and you know, it's like it's just this. Gr- ah, that whole scene was great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, that is. Uh, wait, I still want to know: Are you guys going to eat that dead body, or are you just going to leave it there? No. Uh, I think that's a moment that everybody comes down to in a life or death situation. But yeah. I, I'd have to be pretty close to death to even contemplate it. Like alive. Wait, aren't they doing that in that train movie? That was, uh, I think it's a Bond uh, Snowbreaker or Icebreaker or something? Snow, Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer. I can't remember if they're eating people or not. I don't know. I didn't see that one. Uh, I could just be making that up. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of screwed up things happening on that train, though. Okay, so... I'm going to read the outro stuff. You guys think of a lesson that you learned from Soylent Green, 1973. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes, 73. 73. Interesting note, uh, Edward G. Robinson actually died before the movie was released. So this was his last film, I believe. He died He died in early 73, and this came out uh, in the, the middle. And what else was I going to say? Something about Charlton Heston. Yeah, we didn't get any uh, Charlton Heston impersonations. I'm just not feeling it myself, you know. You did some. I, I, I got I got some tints. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it ends up sounding more like, uh, what's his name from uh, City Slickers and the Slickers. Oh. No, um, uh, Jack oh, Lance. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to. You know, it's they're just husky old man voices. <laughs> Jack Palance's famous line. Mm, it's his famous line. Popeye. <laughs> uh, oh, and thank thank you again. I want to yeah, thank you. Thank again you for so much being for on, guesting Jake. with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking me. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. As I'm yeah. glad to finally talk to the two of you in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Aaron wanted to be here, but he fell into a pit where he's slowly being fed to fatten him up for no reason. Mm. No, this week he was house sitting for dog sitting, house sitting, and he's got a lot of extra activities at the comic book shop that he runs too. And he was arrested. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> Can I say he was arrested? I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't arrested. Hey, listener, if you have any um, suggestions or comments, please write into us at please don't podcast at gmail.com or send us a message at Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you left us a star and or written rating. We haven't got one of those in a long time. It's probably because you all hate us, or because people don't use iTunes anymore, which I totally understand. I don't use iTunes either. But uh, if you could just hop onto that thing, put a five-star in there, that'll probably give us a million dollars. I don't know how iTunes work, but uh, we appreciate it anyways. If you have a few dollars you want to send our way, you can either send it to us through our Ko-Fi site at ko-fi.com slash pdsmios, 
Or if you use Venmo, you can send us a few bucks that way. Our tag on there is at PDSMIOS. Uh, all of these links are in the show notes in the episode. Check out the other shows on our network, eartrumpetaudio.com. Jake, do you have any other uh, favorites from the... Uh, I, hate, I hate to put you on the spot here, oh. but anything else you're listening to that you really enjoy? Uh, I mean, Life Mark is great. Mm-hmm. I kind of have to look at my list to remember which ones <laughs> I uh, are ours. Um, oh, yeah. Becca to the Future, a Quantum Leap podcast. is fun if you're into yeah. Quantum Leap. I keep uh, forgetting to mention that one. It's, I, it's That's a super interesting concept because they're watching... And talking about the episodes of Quantum Leap in a chronological order, like not of the episodes of years that Sam jumps to, which is right. real cool. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, let's see. I've I've started. I haven't gotten all the way through the first season yet, but I've been listening to They See Me Rolling, which is a pot uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast oh, cool. where they play the game. Yeah, and that's been pretty fun to start getting caught up on. Uh, oh, there are just so many. There are just so many good ones. Yeah. By the power, by the podcast of Grayskull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just yeah. had a new episode and it was real, it was real good. Yeah. I, um, I think I haven't listened to it yet. But. Yeah. Let's see. The episode was, oh man, they don't have it in their show notes. It's, it's all about climate change and biological warfare and people turn against the government and all this. Stuff. It's very, it feels very appropriate for the the climate right now, a time mm-hmm. period. And the episode title is Everything's Coming Up Ram Man. That's that's a pretty good title. I really enjoy that show. Those guys make me laugh. Check out any of those episodes and shows on eartrumpetaudio.com. And, of course, uh, our shows are also on there. Love ya like crazy. And please don't send me in outer space. I wanted to mention, too, just because you mentioned that cool one you did about your sister. What was it called? Lindsay Walks? Yep. I don't think I've ever mentioned this before on the podcast, but I one of my sisters does a blog that's called Appetite for Adventures, and you can see it on appetiteforadventures.com. And uh, she's basically traveled the world, and she just posts about all of her different excursions, but one of the... She's gone across America and up and down the coast on bicycles with her partner. And and she's lived in China and been an English teacher there. So anyway, if anybody's interested in that type of thing, my sister has that too. Cool. I'll check that out. You better. We're going to quiz you <laughs> on it later. All right. I need some lessons about this movie. Soylent Green. Soylent Green. So- Soylent Soylent Green. Do you have a lesson about Soylent Green, Sarah? I, th- I just thought of a real good one, but I'm going to save it, as I usually do. I just thought of something else that I hadn't mentioned, was oh. that the, big- the biggest thing I was kind of wondering towards the end of the movie was, why? Like, would they make Soylent Green out of people? And they answer it at the end, but it's kind of like if someone... If someone says something crazy out loud to you, kind of the first thing I wonder is like, but why is that happening? Like, what would, what would provoke this to happen? And you, you understand just because he says like the oceans died off or whatever. 
Are we doing lessons? Yeah. Okay, my lesson <laughs> is um, uh, know what know what you're eating. If you're not sure what something is, find out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one I can think of. <laughs> yeah, if they just had put it on the label, then there wouldn't be all this... <laughs> Right? <laughs> you just got to make sure it doesn't have any gluten or nuts in case you have a nut allergy. Otherwise, put it in your mouth. <laughs> My advice is if it tastes good, eat it. <laughs> Jake, do you have a lesson? Yeah, uh, I guess my lesson is, uh, you know, even if you're going to bash someone's head in, there, you don't really need to be a jerk about it. That's true. Yeah, he was pretty nice about it. Think about think about your character. Mm -hmm. That's you know how you do what you do is really what makes the man. Yeah, when you think about it, most of these assassinations were happening to people that wanted to die, so they were doing them a favor. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so Joel is pro murder, and then is also pro eating corpses. Cannibal so I feel like we're getting we're get. We're getting into a real uh, Hannibal Lecter situation here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how's that line go? I, I, <laughs> <You> ate, <want laughs> I ate him with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I don't really like wine. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a Chianti. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I the ate, deal breaker of that meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ate him with some. <laughs> I ate it with some fava beans and a Mountain Dew. Delicious. Disgusting <laughs> Ew. I don't really like fava beans either. This whole thing doesn't sound good to me. Hey, there's a reason why Hannibal is my favorite show of all time. It's a great show. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Not because it gave me recipe ideas or anything, okay? My lesson is that... You shouldn't treat women like furniture, even if it is a super messed up future. Because even though the women in this movie didn't seem to mind, I'm pretty sure 99.9999999% of women would mind. So don't get any ideas. Amen. No, Nobody's agreeing with me. <laughs> I think I'm in the wrong here. I'm um. in the wrong about eating people and about women as furniture. My God. It's full of people. Wait, that's not... Uh, what's the line? Somebody say it. Wait, which line? Soylent Green. Is made of... Is made out of people. Ah, uh, thank you. That was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recited it just the way uh, Charles Heston himself would. Yep. And do it 17 times, because he kept, he kept yelling, and there was just, no, bring it down. Bring it down a little. I think it gets... Amplified in your memory. I think he only says it a few times. Yeah, that's true. We hear we hear it echo through society. All you have to do is put in Soylent Green into Google, and it says is people or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I looked up that uh, Saturday Night Live skit, which you can't find video of it anywhere online. I wonder if there are legal problems because of the whole Soylent Green connection. But they did. I did find a transcript, and there's the whole thing about the sequel to Soylent Green, which was Soylent White, where um, the final scene is like these people are like, "Man, it's so much easier to get paper these days than it used to be." It's, 
and Charlton Heston's like paper is made out of people. And Silent White is made out of people. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll try to find it. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.